This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. Very, very excited about this interview today. Somebody who's taken the, the jewelry world by storm, the, the content world by storm, Tracks NYC is in the building. How you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic, man. I appreciate that introduction. Oh, yeah. No doubt, man. I'm, I'm seeing what you're putting together, and, and I'm appreciating it. Yeah, I'm kind of, you know, storming this shit real, uh, real quick. You know, I put in 17, 18 years of business into the jewelry business. I don't got any more fucking time or energy left. I just got to take it out and get this over with, bro. Okay, I'm very interested in this whole story. Let's let's start at the beginning, though. Tell me exactly uh, where you were born and raised at. I was born in Baku, Azerbaijan, ah. in the former Soviet Union. It was the Soviet Union at the time. Okay. And then it collapsed, and uh, we had to come to, you know, we had the option of being Jewish refugees, even though my father was Muslim. And as Jewish refugees, you get a choice to go to Israel or United States by some mystical jewish program somebody put together ah okay and so your family was like screw it let's right. let's take off to america yeah um uh you know some the different family members made choices some went uh, to moscow some went to israel but most came to new york city queens right where at in queens uh forest hills Rigo park is a jewish uh, american community that was there and then the baharian jewish community moved in and the uh I don't know what happened to the American Jews. Some stayed, and then I came. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because I lived in Astoria and uh, Sunnyside for a little bit. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's more of a hip area. That that area. <laughs> These was more... days, yeah, this was like ten, fifteen years ago. But yeah. Yeah. So we came. You know, I had to learn English. Parents had to get new jobs and things like that. That wasn't particularly easy, but it, you know, it gave me a, a certain ambition to go make money. Right. But so you're you're just showing up in the middle of Queens and and how was your uh, English at the time? Zero English. Right. I mean, I learned English. It was I was seven years old. It was 1994. Right. So I learned English in about three months. Luckily, really, you yeah. just learned it extremely fast because you had to. Yeah, I mean, I just I didn't. Uh, you know, it just I absorbed it. You yeah. know, you're going to school, you can't talk to the kids. You're going home, you're watching cartoons. You don't understand what they're saying, and right. then three months later, you do. Right. So you felt like you got good at it really fast? Yeah, I got with it. I mean, this was my original language, or I could speak with no accent in English. Yeah, I know. You have almost no accent. That's actually pretty impressive. But I guess when you learn a language when you are that young, it really just becomes part of you. I feel like even if I studied Spanish for 10 years, I'm never going to really sound like I'm a native speaker. Probably not. But when you're young, uh, you know, your brain is more malleable. The information enters, you know. So, But, you know, I was... Like uh, when I came to America and I, my first couple of days of school, I'm seeing kids with light up sneakers, lunch boxes, <laughs> and all sorts of shit. You know, they don't have no light up sneakers in Azerbaijan. Right. 
So what was the quality of life in comparison to what New York City was like, though? Like, where, where were you coming from in terms of how the circumstances were that you were dealing with? It was great in the sense that you had your family and that's where your happiness came from. You know, you'd go on a trip and, you'd, you know, there would be laughs. There'd be this. You don't need any of that extra shit to be happy. But, um, you know, when you come here and you see it, you know, you don't know what you don't have. There might be a spaceship in, you know, that you would really, really want. Right. But you don't see it, so you don't even worry about it, you know. But back then, we had a fantastic family life, and it was great, even though we had no hot water. Oh. Uh, even though uh, there was only, you know, two types of ice cream for uh, 12 time zones. Chocolate and vanilla? Chocolate and vanilla, Got you it. know what I'm saying? And everything was run down Soviet style. Uh, you know, life was good. You had your family life and, uh, you know, people were kind of happy. But when there's a choice to, and a leap to make. But when you get here and you see everything and people are having cars and there's homes and swimming pools and this. It's a list, a long list of shit. But so did you, was that one of your main observations right away? Was that the family unit was far less important to society in America as opposed to where you were coming from? Well, that seems like one of the principal def, uh, elements of our culture, really, right? I, I suppose so. I mean, when I came here, I just realized I was a have-not. That's, mm -hmm. that's all I realized. I, I, I wasn't a have-not. You know, in the in the Soviet Union, I was kind of a have. I had a middle class life and a middle class family. You know, you still have your classes and so on and so forth. My father was a homicide detective. My mother was a journalist. But over here, you know, that we were just immigrants, and I felt like a have not. And then, you know, it's a it's a money chase. You you know, I don't know what kind of family units you have here in the United States, but if you have a nice home and the family gathers, that's that's great. You know, um, uh, that's really what it is. Right. So did you start to really internalize that that sense that you were not having all the things that other people had early on? It seems like that was a pretty important memory. Yeah. I mean, listen, it, it wasn't like, you know, I was a little bitch about it and I'm crying that I don't have things. It's just that it builds a fire. You want to buy a video game. Your parents can't buy you one. They can only buy you one a year. And if it, you know, you don't even know how to read the box. The game sucks. You can't play another game for, you just want to get, make money, you right. know? And every young man has that. But for me, you know, I have a, a, a slightly big ego, you know, even as a child, I want to be important. I want to do an interview. I want to be asked questions. I want to, I want, I want, I want, but I don't have shit. You're speaking my language. I, I wanted to be interviewed for a long time before I ever got interviewed. Yeah, I, mean, exactly. I just wanted to tell my story. I wanted to speak my truth. Right. You have something to share with the world or something like that that you want recognized, but you, mm -hmm. all you you don't even have sneakers. You have sandals. You know what I'm saying? Not not to indicate that that's what you're wearing, but that's that was me when I came. <laughs> <laughs> no, these are amazing. Yeah, I got to sure. sit here all day. I you're, love these things. Yeah, you're <laughs> you chilling. You can say whatever you want about them. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, once you got a business and you got your, uh, you know, prestige it doesn't really matter you could be walking around in rags but when you don't even have that then you know i feel you so okay throughout the rest of high school like or junior high and everything like that what, what kind of kid would you say that you turned into did this hustle start to manifest itself pretty early i mean i turned into you know a little bit of a troublemaker man like some of the shit that i look back at when i was still just talking with my cousin because he was also an immigrant you, you know you go to burger king and, uh, you know, uh, you'd fill up, you know, they had free refills back there in the fountain. You know, you'd walk out of there, you'd, you'd, you'd have your burger, you'd, you'd drink your soda, then you take a free refill, you fill it to the top, you realize you don't want it, and you pour it in a mailbox. You know, scumbag shit, you know what I'm saying? Somebody's bills and letters are there. When mm -hmm. I look back, I'm like, what the fuck was I doing? But I was a frustrated kid. Yeah. 
you know i got a lot of memories like that too of like wow i was a shithead for no reason yeah i mean it's it's you're just working out your frustration the world is being mean to you you're being mean to the world mm. um you know but it, you if you have a good heart and a good family maybe you could work all that shit out and that's really what it was i think that's kind of like establishing the hierarchy in a sense too where like young boys want to basically like prove how callous they are and mm. how much they don't give a fuck to sort of like impress the other ones. I remember a lot of stuff like this. Think about it. Like teenage kids, what do they do? They drive around and smash fucking mailboxes with bats. Right. I mean, why 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 would they do that? Just because right. it's like proof of like, look how badass I am. And and it's kind of like the training wheels version of shooting somebody or right. robbing a bank, doing the stuff that adults sometimes end up doing. You or know? Ex exercising some sort of a power or saying, you know what? I do have power and control over this in my, I could pour water in your mailbox. Right. I could do some bullshit, but that's all, you know, kid shit. Yeah. And then um, uh, as you become closer to adulthood and you're uh, like, I was about to graduate high school. <laughs> um, uh, I realized that, you know, I, I bought into this American dream that people told me about. And, you know, to when you're the shit you're thinking about on the plane ride over here is, uh, you know, to start a business and to build a happy life. And that's really what I tried to make happen right. as soon as I graduated high school. So you didn't have a job during high school? Yeah, I, I was uh, washing uh, dishes at the uh, senior citizen center. My mom got me that job. Right. Uh, then I was doing uh, making dog tags on the USS Intrepid. Okay. Stamping out dog tag. My mom got me that job as well. Sounds like jobs that give you a lot of time to sort of think about how you don't want to be doing this job. Well, the the dishwashing shit was miserable. <laughs> yeah. I had to clean a, a grease trap that was, you know, it was like, I was like, well, I don't know what the hell I was. I was 16, 17, 18. And, um, uh, you know, I did a couple of things and I made a couple of dollars. It, it got me by. And it was luckily because my mom was, you know, uh, a, a great person that got involved with a couple of people, got me a job. Otherwise, nobody would have even hired me. Right. You know, in the interview process, I was an awkward, you know, I don't want to say you know, retard, but, you know, that's what people thought I was in, in essence. And, right. You know. How how strong or how tightly knit was the Jewish community in the area that you moved into? Like, did you still have some of that sense of community? Well, I have a Muslim name. My name is Maksud. Okay. You know, so that made me even even more of a little bit of an outcast. My name is not Jacob and Isaac. A lot of people couldn't really wrap their head around what they were dealing with. Well, you know, you're in the synagogue and the rabbi asks you your name and you say Maksud and he looks at you a little awkward. And then you feel like an outcast. Mm. So that was an aspect of it. Interesting. But um, well, that wasn't a big deal. But, you know, the community was a Baharian community in uh, Rigo Park, Forest Hills. And I'm not from Buhara. And, uh, you know, they like to keep things tight knit. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean, but the, it was. Uh, and then there's, of course, uh, the, all the, uh, you know, a lot of mixed people in there i mean you're, right. you got india you got korea you got vietnam you've got uh, jamaica you've got african-american you've got italian-american you've got irish-american all in one school right you know it's you know but the baharian community the jewish side came from there and that's essentially that's what that Turk community went from american jewish to baharian uh jewish community and uh with a mix of everybody else and, and so did you always know that you were going to be the type of person who very much worked with other people and stuff that you weren't going to be sort of limited to dealing with only your own people yeah well i didn't have my own people to begin with so to speak right um uh, in essence you know when i started that uh, started that business and i didn't even i didn't even comprehend that type of thought right you know um i got a muslim name i'm from Azerbaijan. i'm this and that i'm from a different place i'm i'm me and everyone else is themselves and i'm trying to start a business i'm trying to make money 
and that's it. And I got through into the jewelry business through uh, you know a, a couple of Puerto Rican a Puerto Rican friend of mine. Mm. So that wasn't even uh, in, in essence anything. And then the like, uh, I'll tell you exactly what it was real quick, right? How do you start a business from zero? That's really a more important thing that people might want to know. If you're a young person watching this and you want to make an honest fucking dollar and you don't want to be a bum for the rest of your life and you want to know exactly how to make an honest dollar from, from nothing, I'll tell you exactly what it was. I just graduated high school. I was hanging out. My friend asked me to install Counter-Strike on his computer. <laughs> and, and you were good with computers? Yeah, I was time? good with computers. My mom bought me a computer, you know, that was like 1500 bucks or 733 megahertz, you know, uh, 64 megabytes of RAM or whatever the hell it was back then. And it was a decent enough computer to use, you know, back in 2003. To, and I'm just sitting on it, uh, checking out the internet back then. And I could download games, like a pirate software. I could do all that shit. That was the first thing I started to do when I got the internet in like '97 as well. Yeah, you started know, downloading games. And I, I felt like a hacker. I used to yeah. use a MIRC. I yeah. don't know, you remember that shit? Yeah, C++ I, or some shit. Like I was that. into punters, where you would on uh, AOL, you'd be able to knock people offline by sending them like a thousand messages those, at the same yeah. time. That was my main. Foray. Yeah, but when I was doing it, I was on aim, uh, aim, uh, just aim, right, right, essentially. Yeah. And there was one little dope punter that came out that nobody had, and I was kicking all of my friends off, right, off of the thing until they patched it or whatever. I felt so powerful. Oh, that was the power right there. You <laughs> you'd get into a conversation with somebody, right. knowing that at any time you could kick them off, and then you they start talking shit like you can't do nothing, and then you just start knocking them off. And in the early days of the internet, it was like. I, w I had AOL and my friends list was only other kids I went to school with. Right. And it was only like five kids or some shit because it's like the idea of like meeting people online took a little while to right. click. It was like right, I, right. I was kicking people offline who I actually went to school with. Yeah, so that yeah, felt yeah. extra good. Wait, okay. So so you go to install the video game on your friend's computer. I go to install the video game on my friend's computer. He's got viruses out the ass. You know <laughs> As everyone did at the time. Yeah. yeah, so I have to go battle his computer for two, three hours. <laughs> and I'm doing this, um, uh, you know, uh, diligently. And his, and his cousin uh, sees me and, you know, he sees I'm a worthwhile dude. Mm. Uh, and he sees I'm a useful guy. So he's like, you know, why don't you come roll with me? I start rolling with him. He's moving clothing uh, from Canal Street, which is Chinatown, and oh, he's taking it out of state. And I find a couple of jewelry shops around downtown area. This guy that had, runs a Vietnamese shop. He's like a he's like a Vietnamese or Thailand or what have you, dude. A couple of brothers. They run a jewelry shop. I meet him. I um uh, I, I realized that I could photograph their jewelry. You know, my my other boy, his his cousin, whatever. The the business goes sour. So I realized I could photograph some jewelry at this jewelry shop where I have a connection, put it up on eBay, which is, uh, you know, at that time, an up-and-coming auction site, uh, sell the jewelry, then buy it. Mm. You sell it, then you buy it, and you keep the difference, you ship it, and you put your foot, your pinky toe into the jewelry industry right then and there. And right. it had nothing to do with, you know what I'm saying, the stereotypical shit that people might even think, that I'm this and I'm that, and I got into the Jewish or whatever the fuck. It had nothing to do with that, my... Parents had no relationship. I went. I was installing Counter-Strike on my friend's computer who happened to be Puerto Rican. His cousin saw me. Right. We started doing business of clothing from Canal. And I, you know, through him, I met this jewelry shop. Because people have like a real resentment towards like, you know, people who are able to get into industries that they feel like are kind of gatekept. Yeah. And so 
it's it's like a perfect thing for people to sort of feel like they're justified in letting their anti-Semitism out with when people talk about the jewelry game because right. they feel like they didn't have that opportunity. And but you're saying that you well, really kind of got lucky. Well, this this business, you know, um, uh, is usually down passed on, and the information is by heritage from generation to generation. Uh, you know, the knowledge of gems and who's cutting, who's sorting, and who all all that shit is. But for me, I had nothing to do with that. Mm. And it's, you know, totally racist to, to for me to look at me and say anything. And I, you know, like me personally, I wait for somebody to press on that issue. You know what I'm saying? Mm. The nerve, you know, just because my mother happens to be Jewish, I got to fucking hand it to me and get the fuck out of here. But that's interesting because probably most of the people that you work with in the industry, would you say that it's usually a safe bet that they got into this position through some form of nepotism? I suppose so. Yeah. A lot. Uh, a significant amount of people do because, you know. When but then you, you still have to be good. Yeah, right? you got to know what, you're, what the fuck you're doing. I mean, there's, a, there's, there's several ways to get into the jewelry business. You could, you could work for free and work on a bench. And you could sit here, work with your hands, and you could work for free for somebody as an apprentice. And two, three years later, you're going to learn how to work that bench. And you're going to be able to take on jobs. And you're in the business. Mm. You want to you want to work in the jewelry industry? Go work behind the counter if you look like a trustworthy person. And you can work for free and you can help a sales guy. And then maybe you make some sales and you become a valuable person. Then you'd be able to be in the business. Okay. So you got two entry points right then and there. Right. Work for fucking free. Like I did when I was installing Counter-Strike. Right. Go and work on the bench and, and learn how to work with your hands. And then maybe your grandson's going to own a, a wholesale manufacturing operation. Go sit here and go behind the counter, and maybe your grandson's going to be with Celebrity Jeweler. Those are your options. You want to do it in one generation, then you got to get your shit together and your head out of your ass. Right. But so you're not somebody who had any particular affection for jewelry or anything like that? No. It was pretty much just a total... I was listening to rap music, right. Nas, Biggie Smalls, Wu-Tang Clan, and... Uh, you know, Jesus pieces and all this other stuff. And I was just, that's what really what all I knew. Right. You know, the rap music brainwashed me as a kid. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So you, you thought it was cool, but were you really trying to take part in it? Because I noticed you're not exactly wearing a ton of, a bunch of gaudy jewelry, which some people in your position might do, right? Yeah, not anymore. I mean, you know, I'm 35 year old dude. Um, you know, I just want to live in a, a, an adult life. I like to, you know, LA is a dangerous place. I'd like to be more iced out and be, you know, flashy, but for what? I'm, I'm a flex with making one minute videos, teaching, you know, a whole generation of people something that they should really know. And that's going to be my flex, man. Right. You know, and I'll wear some nice and this and that, but there's no greater flex for me than that. When I walk into the room and people have learned from me, that's it. Right. How are you not going to respect somebody you're learning from? But to a lot of people, having the diamond grill, having five chains on, whatever, it's all just marketing for the thing that they're selling. Like literally, you know, if if somebody gets a TikTok of you in the club and you got a bunch of jewelry on or whatever, that's just advertising for your business, right? Because I, I, I sometimes feel like that. Right. Like, damn, if I had a $100,000 chain, I bet people would pay more attention to me and maybe that would be good for my career. I don't know. I mean, maybe it would be a smart idea. I don't really fucking feel well, like doing it. Well, first and foremost, you want to be adorned a little bit because if you take this watch off and you take everything off, and I'm just a guy in a shirt and a, and a pants, something you could get at the store, right? the appeal comes off. If you have a little something on, that's better. Now, if you want to look like a fucking superstar, you want to look like a, you know, like Achilles and Hercules or, or whatever, like a Greek god, 
then yeah, you know, you put on four or five Cubans and you're going to be very impressive sight. But you got to roll with security. You got to do the whole thing. Right. And the entourage and shit. And that is a dope look. I mean, that's my industry. I don't want you to wear less fucking jewelry. Right. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't help me. It doesn't help other jewelers. But, you know, I'm, I got to be honest about it. I like to wear a little subtle something. Right. And so on and so forth. And then the other hand, I got robbed, at, you know, at gunpoint. Uh, in New York City, right? Uh, you know, going to dinner with this jerk off piece of shit that I went with. So you weren't anywhere near your business at the time that this happened. This no. was totally unrelated. They were coming for Richard Meal watches, right? For this fucking low life that I was doing business with. Oh, uh, so they were coming this for grime him. ball. No, nah, yeah, they were coming for the. I was showing watches on my social media. Okay. And um, well, they saw some of these watches, and these watches, one hundred fifty grand, two hundred grand. 300 grand, 400, $500,000. You got to right. be fucking kidding me. Of course, that was their job. I mean, all these guys went to jail eventually. And, you know, this jerk off goes to dinner at 10 o'clock or whatever it is, uh, you know, at a restaurant that only dickheads would go to. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then it's, it's almost like a trap. And, you know, you go there, a recognizable restaurant, you know, in a, in a dark area of the, of the downtown, with Richard Meals, half a million dollars. By the time I come out, you know what I'm saying? I turn the corner to get my car. These guys are popping out or whatever. Right. And so uh, it just went down? Yeah. Like like how they didn't rough you up? They nah, just put they the gun in your face and took they, it? Yeah, they took, they took everything except my Jewish star, oh. which I decided to keep because I said, you know, this is from God. Let me keep it. And they the just guy, didn't notice it? Or? Well, no, they, they noticed it. You know, the guy let me keep it. Really? Yeah, one guy did. The other guy was like, hell no, but he wasn't the leader of the, the little crew. Right. Whatever, listen, long story short, uh, you know, this is real life. Yeah. You know, a lot of people might not bring that up themselves or whatever it is, but I'm not here to pretend I'm a fucking superhero or anything like that. This is real life. I just want to make an honest dollar and, uh, you know, do well uh, and, and have a fantastic business. And that's really what it was. But okay. So I a want, lot of funny shit going on. I want to hear a little bit more about the buildup here, though. So you, you sort of get in in this very entry-level way, and then how does this start to progress? Can you let me right. know some of the steps that you had to take in yes. order to get to the point you're at now? I will break it down in the easiest way because I lived every fucking second of it. Right. Right? So you're on Canal Street. You got your digital camera. You got the jewelry counter. You photograph some jewelry. You sell it. You come back to the guy, you buy it. Sometimes it's out of stock. You have to negotiate with the customer. You're ripped in all sorts of situations. Right. But, you you know, you start building a, a little bit of a, a, a business because you got an eBay store. You're listing items. They're selling this. And at one time, this guy went on vacation mm -hmm. for two weeks. And I, and I have a customer that I need to fulfill this order for where I sold. And now I realize, you know, he's getting it from the Diamond District. Right. I go up there. I turn the corner and I start finding the vendors. Huh. The first vendor I went to where that had this particular item, right away they're trying to rip me off. I'm going to do them a favor and I mention their name. You know what I'm saying? Right away, it's the wholesale was divide by four. Right. Right away they see me, I'm a young dude, and they, they you know, they look, you know, it looked like a Spanish guy, whatever. I had line, you know, a goatee and all sorts of shit. Does that happen where people think you're Latin? Some, in, in some cases or whatever. I mean, Before listen, you open your when mouth. When I was dressed, uh, in, in, in rarely, but when I was dressed back then, man, I had my Walkman, mm. CD <laughs> fucking player. I had yeah. the baggiest jeans you could have fucking seen. Oh, man. And I had a big white tee on, and I looked like, you know, I looked uh, like a young kid, man. Right. I didn't look like an adult. 
I didn't look like I look now. I looked like a young fucking kid with a buzz cut and a fade and this and that because of the culture I was in. Right. And I mean, ripping somebody off in the jewelry game, it's kind of all in the eyes of the yeah. beholder, right? right? Because ultimately, everybody's charging a markup. No, what, but, what markup is appropriate is kind of right, variable. But right. You're giving wholesale, right? right? You know what I'm saying? There's a price on the tag. You can't do this every day with every wholesale customer coming in and you're going up and down. You mm. got to have a system if you're going to get through this. Right. You, you don't want to go into 7 Eleven and bargain over a, a, a soda. Right. You know what I'm saying? You go in there, the price is divided by four. Right away, this cocksucker, I'll never forget him, looks at me and wants to screw me and do me a divide by three. Mm. Why, bro? Why you want to rip me off for? I came here to, to do wholesale. I have a shop and I want to open up a wholesale account. Why do you fuck do you want to rip me off? Right. You know what I'm saying? Just give me the fucking wholesale. Let me get my business going. Nah, he wanted to rip me off like a jerk off. I worked with those people for years and years and years and so on and so forth. But I never forgot it. Uh. I walk in. I'm like, damn, this is where the wholesale operation is. I know that the, 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 the dude that was getting it down, down a canal is dividing the tag by four, adding on a couple of hundred Vietnamese dude, right. adding on a couple of hundred dollars for me. Then I'm coming up to my own people, supposedly, and they're fucking me over by divide by three. Right. That pissed me the fuck off. And it still does, man. That happened 18 years ago, bro. Mm. So that whole game and that whole system really pissed me off, the griminess there. And I'm struggling. And you know, and, and the, the long story short, I opened up my first office for 450 bucks a month or 650 whatever it was, hole in a wall. I have my printer. I'm printing my labels. I'm picking up jewelry from these dirtbag pieces of shit in the Diamond District who's fucking head right now I'm going to put in a toilet bowl, bro. And strangle them, drown them in, in that shit, bro. You wanted to. I, not Back then, I wanted to. I didn't want to. I couldn't. Now I can and I will. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? Right. So being, there's a lot of animosity. I mean, they took my, my time away from my life by doing grimy shit. And I was a soft kid. Right. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know what I'm saying? You could push me and you could sit here, divide by three me and this and that. And they wanted me to sit here and fight and bargain. Well, now I'm going to fight and bargain. Now you're going to get fucked over and, and thrown off the roof. You so know? you don't respect that business? I don't respect the people that are there because I know them so well. And I know how much they love money over everything else, bro. Right. But you got to know your mark. You know, if yeah. you're selling something to somebody, I mean, the bodega that we were going to when we were staying in Brooklyn last week, one of the guys went there and, and I guess he seemed super out of town or whatever. Yeah. And they charged him seven bucks for the sandwich instead of five. Right. And we were all kind of laughing about it afterwards. But yeah. also me... I respect the hustle. I think you're not even allowed to legally. I don't think you're supposed to do that, but I would be doing that if I owned a bodega. I'd be trying to upcharge people a little bit if I could tell that they could afford it. Sure, that's a that's a style of business. Right. But then if you get a customer that comes back and fucking takes a, 
uh, his sandwich and throws it in your face because you ripped him off, then maybe you might not want to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how it is in a bodega, and I don't know this, but I know I spent, I put my dues in, you know? I didn't walk in a bodega, bought a sandwich, and came out. I spent 17 years of business. Right. And what do I do? I pay my bills. I buy my shit. Don't waste my fucking time. Don't play games with me. We know what it is. It costs this much. I need to make it a routine. Just because I'm checking the bills over there doesn't mean you get to fuck me on that bill over here. Right. Not if I spent $10 million with you, bro. Not if I did serious business with you. I'm not playing any games anymore. Would you say that your sort of like confrontational personality style is essential to this business because you just can't I'm, I'm guessing you can't really survive in this business if you're a I'm sheep re- and you're just gonna let people fucking charge you whatever and if you're just gonna be kind of passive right you have to be willing to get in their face you're and right talk like this right you're, you gotta sit here and you gotta pull the levers and you gotta get but that's not the way they do it in the diamond district they waste each other's time talking back and forth about uh, you know, the, the conversation for bargaining with Baba John, I'm giving it to you, honestly, this, that. These <laughs> motherfuckers are saying honestly the dishonest, saying this, I love you, you're my brother, you're not my brother. S- s- cut that shit out, bro. Right. You're not my brother, we're not doing all this shit. Let's get down to the fucking business, make sure my, my shit is correct, because I'm going to correct on my side of the business. I'm not going to take a bill and then you call me and I don't pick up my phone, bro. Mm. I'm going to pick up my phone, make sure you get your money. I'm not running off on the plug like these young fucking dickheads out out there who think that's cool mm. you know what i'm saying i pay my bills i handle my shit i have a different standard of business i'm not being aggressive i'm not doing i'm reforming it i'm just not tolerating corny shit that's a waste of time that's not productive mm. i put my dues in you guys i did business like everybody else did struggling to be me no you motherfuckers struggle to be you in the diamond district mm. you go fuck yourself bro because i'm right i'm gonna handle my shit Sorry to raise my voice, but no, I when, I, when I think about these motherfuckers, bro, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I fucking, my blood boils, right. dude. Yo, bro, there's some really grimy shit. People saw me as a young kid, took advantage of me. You know what I'm saying? We could have did other businesses. They could have did business with me fantastic, but they thought I was like them. Case in point. Another example. You know, I'm, uh, I was at, uh, on Canal Street. There were several jewelry stores. Uh-huh. I'm a loyal guy. I could have went to one of those jewelry stores where, you know, people speak my language, Russian, and the Russian immigrants and so on and so forth. And they would never give me a job. They would never give me a They wouldn't let me photograph the jewelry on the counter. I had to fucking go to the other guy, the Vietnamese guy, to photograph his shit. Mm. They would be like, ah, buy it now. Uh, All this ghetto, corny business style. You know what I'm saying? They couldn't comprehend that if you take me in, give me a job. I'll be able to move your entire inventory mm. on eBay within three years and make you millions. They still couldn't figure that. I still see the motherfucker, uh, you know, he's a good guy, a right. friend of mine, whatever it is, an older dude, like 65 years old. I still see him. I say, yo, bro, you know, I sell $2.5 million worth of jewelry a month. I ask him, why couldn't you give me a fucking job for $8 an hour when I was 19 years old, bro, 18 years old when yeah. I came to you? Why couldn't you make me that offer? Because I moved $220 million worth of inventory. We right. could have did that together. You could have gave me a shortcut. I could have moved $400, 600000000 million. Right. But you couldn't have the insight, could you? You had to sell it right there and push it. Buy this. Get this, get that, da, 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 now. Let me give you an example. Like a lot of young rappers will, you know, kind of want to be in my good graces or they want to get an interview early so. on or whatever. And I'll be 
basically like ignoring them at a certain point you know like some percentage of them you know i'll see a young artist and i want to work with them and some percentage of them i just don't really see the vision early right. on and then maybe a couple years later they get signed or they start doing their thing or whatever right and i've kind of got to acknowledge at a certain point sure. oh hey you had it and i didn't notice it right. and you know that, that's okay and sometimes i see them sort of have this grudge where they're like no you didn't fuck with me when i was on square one right. so i don't fuck with you now Which and is then corny. other guys have the attitude of hey you proud of me like look i did it i, yep. I blew up and you know i i appreciate that when i see people have an attitude about that you seem like you're kind of attached to this uh you know grievance that you feel like right. you, you dealt with in this situation do you right. do you think it's entirely fair or do you do you kind of empathize with it because i'm sure that there's talented people who come to you yeah. now who want to fuck with you and, you know, you already got a whole staff of employees. There's probably plenty of qualified candidates that don't make it through. Listen, in your example, you know what I'm saying? You're willing to acknowledge that they came up and you're willing to, you know, say, hey, I was wrong in essence. You know, okay. you are a star, so to speak, or right. whatever the fuck the case may be. For me, it's not about that, bro. I'm not rolling backwards and having a fucking great time and making music and fucking uh, this studio. I have to run this business. I got to make sure that the diamonds I buy, the price is fair. If the price is X per carat, don't add 20 X plus 20. I'll mm. fucking destroy you, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm going to come after you. I'm going to hurt your business and I'm going to make it. Don't waste my fucking time. Don't maybe pick up the phone and say, hey, why is the price $20 more than the other guy? Just give me the fucking right price so I could pay my bill and handle my shit. I don't want to be 45 and 55 years old dealing with this problem. Mm. I got to nip it in the bud. It's got to stop. I should have did it when I was a young fucking dude. Okay. Because all they understand is force. Or else they're going to keep pulling on your shit, asking for shit. Give me this, do this, do that. They surround you. You're looking over there. They're fucking you from over there. Really? It's yeah. a shicey business, huh? They're trying to get you for whatever they can, however they can. Mm. And, you know, instead of plugging all of these holes and making sure I'm this and that, I'm just going to give them a fair fucking warning. I have weapons in my mind I will deploy against you backwards cocksuckers, bro. <laughs> and you will fucking bow your head on that instance. Because the, the tactics that they're using is tactics from ancient Babylon, bro. Uh -huh. The same old schemes and scams. They don't work. They only work for fucking idiots. They should have never worked on me. And right. I'm upset I wasted my time. But people took my lifetime away, you know? I could have been way more successful, way farther along, and they took it away with their bullshit. Right. And now I want to cripple them, bro. So when does the business really start to, like, I mean, I'm sure there's many different stages of this, but when do you really start to get shit together and start calling yourself even some level of success right. here's the way the jewelry business works the jewelry business is an inventory business if you got 20 million dollars worth of high-end watches and you paid the right price you're already in the business right. because you're going to be able to if you need this particular uh, richard meal or patek philippe or, or or the the rolex submariner with the green whatever the fuck where are you going to get it not everybody got it if you have the inventory you have the business now you have to market that mm. if you're starting out and whether you're bench or or, or a, a jeweler, and you you have to get you raise your capital and start investing in inventory, and then you got to grow that inventory to whatever a couple of millions of dollars, and then you got to finagle and keep that going. That's what the young dudes are doing out there, and I and I have love in my heart. You know, I see a guy Benny the jeweler, young dude Eric the jeweler, whoever it is, I'll give him a shout out. Doesn't make me any money. Mm. I do it out of love because I know how hard it is to put a fucking footprint down in that shithole. Mm. 
So I see these guys doing this and I'm rooting for them, but you got to get the inventory. Someone's got to get the watch. You got to do the marketing. You got to do this. You got to do that. And then you got to compete with all the other motherfuckers. What was the marketing in those early days? Because now it seems like it's largely social media. But back yeah. then, what, you buying TV ads, all this and, kind of and stuff? And the one thing that I want everybody to understand out there, and I'm sure you're going to understand it, is once in a while, or especially now with technology changing, opportunities show up. Right. eBay is not a big opportunity anymore. It was a huge opportunity. I was the first dude on eBay. I know a lot of people that made a lot of money in the early days of eBay just by being early on selling shit. That's it. It was, a, it was a free market, or yeah. all-you-can-eat buffet. So well, what did I do? I went to a vendor. I photographed a, million, uh, a couple of million dollars worth of jewelry just to showcases, and I put the whole fucking showcase up on eBay for $2 million or $3 million. Hmm. And I put the $2 million, $3 million, and I, so when you put, I'm not going to sell it. I'm just going to see when you put highest price, I'm number one, mm. two, three, four, and five. Nobody had thought of this yet. And then you click it, and then you go to my eBay store, and you shop the rest of my collection. Mm. And I would have made a fucking killing if the people I was doing business with gave me a fucking proper chance and weren't trying to fuck me over every day. Mm. You know, all they try to do is take me for everything. And then I find out that, you know, I'm 18, 19, 20 years old. And then when you're 25 years old, you find out that the fucking $5 million, $10 million you spent with somebody, you, you know, should have cost any other any other person would have cost them $5 million. Mm. So now you would have had $5 million to fucking live your own life, but you don't have shit. Because mm. somebody fucked you over because you were too nice and too nice of a young dude. But you weren't making good money? You weren't able to turn a profit on eBay? I was turning a little bit of a profit, but, you know, uh, again, I was soft. Right. I'll admit it. You know, they're raising the price on me. I'm like, fuck it, I'll pay it. They're forcing me to pay bills early. Everybody else gets 30-day terms. I'm paying it at the end of the fucking week, full price. They're getting credit. I'm not. Mm. I'm getting this. I'm getting that. They fucked me over. It's my fault. I don't hold a grudge. You know what I'm saying? It's all water under the bridge, but don't put a drop of fucking water over the goddamn fucking bridge. <laughs> Because you're going to go over that bridge, bro. It's all right. Water under the bridge, we did it. Right. And I lost it. I lost, you know, 25 years old. I could have been a millionaire, but instead I was struggling. It's all good. 28 and I lost, uh, you know, time. Don't take a second more. You took a decade. Do not take a fucking second more. I'm warning you motherfuckers, bro. I'm telling them, man. Really? Do you think a lot of people just sort of put their dreams off too much and then because i i sometimes i feel like that bro i'm 38 and i feel like i just now i'm really getting my business going like the way that i really want it to be and sometimes i look at myself i'm like god damn it you're almost in your 40s like this you know just if 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 i had postponed my dreams even more who knows like what's the value well, of, you, of you, discovering you, your shit when you're in your 50s or whatever i you don't got know those early days your 20s you gotta fucking grind and you gotta discover what your passion is because you don't want to be figuring it out super late in the game you gotta set up a foundation in your 20s for your 30s yeah you know but i don't know like you tell me how you did your business uh, somebody in the in the you know in your studio whatever told me that you had a a bike shop or some yeah. shit and I had a cool sign. That's all I understand. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I was doing BMX content, bike content right. for like 10 years. So I started like the first BMX blog, basically, and, you know, posting about shit online. That sort of turns into making YouTube videos. At a certain point, I decide I want to start doing a podcast and interviewing BMX companies and pros. And then all of a sudden that turns into me interviewing rappers. Right. And then that turns into me interviewing everybody under the sun and all kinds of different people. You know? Yeah, there's a secret ingredient in there that made you make it happen. I mean, you know, look around at this studio and what you guys got going on over here. It's the dream. 
Thank you. Appreciate Somehow it. Somehow you pulled it off. Somehow you have a little bit of a secret sauce. You're, so not, you're interview number two in this space. I appreciate that. Oh. You know what I'm saying? So, so obviously you could you could uh, point to that. But what what's the worth of the listener? The worth of the listener, uh, you know, is what would warm my heart that out of this interview came. Somebody made the right choices as a young man mm. and built a good, productive life where they could help their family, where they're not going to end up, you know, with drug addicts and weighing down this society. That's for me, you know, grown adult shit. That's something I wish somebody told me when I was 18, listening to Nas and Jay-Z and doing all this stupid shit and smoking blunts. You know what I'm saying? That was a waste of fucking time, bro. Mm. And I still smoke weed. I still listen to music. And I still that. But I realize what, what the fuck it's all about. Got to be in a productive society. You got to be fair. You got to have love in your heart for, you know, whatever it is. I, I think like I spent a, a bit too much time in my life just hanging out and just having fun and whatnot. And when I look back at it, it's like, listen, even if you're going to fucking go out at night or do whatever it is that you're going to do every day, make sure that you're at least taking a couple of steps, even just one significant step mm -hmm. towards where you want to be at like you should always be doing something to keep rolling that ball up the hill i'll give a piece of golden advice and you tell me if it's good advice or not cool right i'm uh watching a youtube video that is productive like it's uh, teaching you something photoshop or whatever the hell is out there you know learning business or warren buffett it's like laying down a brick. Now you lay, you watch one YouTube video, you lay down one brick. You can't live inside that brick. That's not a fucking house. Mm. But if you lay down another brick and another brick and another brick and another brick and you watch 40 or 100 or, you know, over the course of years and you fill your head with the knowledge that's available on the Internet, the knowledge that, that 100,000 years of your ancestors didn't have that you have, you're going to have a castle. Yeah. You, it's up to you. You and that's and that's just YouTube. That's shit that's for free online. That's all you need. Sometimes I do interviews, and this honestly kind is of is it good advice little, before you continue. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great advice. But sometimes I do interviews, and I even kind of think of this as one. It's like we're giving away. It's almost criminal that we're giving away this much game for free, right? Right. Like this is like stuff that's real actionable shit like they could really help you shape what you want to do right. with your life and sometimes i think about how many podcasts i've done or how many podcasts i've listened to other people do where it's just like a shocking amount of information that's right. available these days when i was coming Incredible. up in the 90s and shit it just wasn't an option you had to fuck you would argue with your friends over shit you know what yeah. i'm saying somebody would say that you know uh, the moon is this far away, or it's, and then you'd be like arguing. Now you Google this shit and you know what it is. Right. I mean, say you want to start a t-shirt brand and the year is 1995. It's like, right. you know, you're in the middle of New York City. I'm sure that it was not insanely complicated to figure mm -hmm. out that there's people who make t-shirts somewhere around Canal Street. But, you know, it, it was very difficult to just hop on the internet. And like now you could watch a hundred YouTube videos that are right. all how to make t-shirts that are going to break down the whole fucking business. I'm sure there's a whole podcast about but the issue screen is, printing. You could go tune in and learn everything about that. The business. issue is, is now you're going to have more competition yeah, before, for sure. before everyone else was dumb, dumb, deaf and blind. And you were the one that knocked on that door. You had an advantage. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because you had the balls to go to the fashion district and ask a couple of questions. Right. And then, you know, turn some corners for 15 days and look like a loser, but even though you paid your dues and you got in. Now you've got more competition, but you got a more productive society and so on and so forth. But there's advantages and disadvantages to every time and era. Mm. Back then, you'd put an ad in print and you'd get business. Now you buy an ad in a magazine and you are threw your money away. Right. But meanwhile, uh, well, okay, but let's talk about this. Is that when did you start to really affiliate yourself with celebrities? And like, was that a part of the business early on, or did it take a while for you to get to the level mm -hmm. where you were 
creating those kind of relationships. Right. Before I, you know, I had a hard time struggle putting the business together. So before I even put the business together, before you would, you, before you market a business, like having a restaurant, you got to have your menu, you got to have your ingredients, you got to have your assembly and uh, all your uh, ready to go. Because if I have Jay-Z, Beyonce, and, uh, you know, whoever else come and shop at my shop and I'm not ready to do business... It's going to end up badly. Right. So it took me a long time. And I had a blessing. I had P. Diddy, when I was like 25 years old, buy something for his son's birthday. Right. And I fucked that watch up because it came up from a vendor. You know, it was an underpriced watch. It was a G-Shock iced out. And the quality of the stones was shit. And P. Diddy never did business with me again. Really? So he, but you think he bought it, thought that it was cool, and then later kind of figures out that it's not as good as he thought it was? Listen, he found me through his secretary or his secretary found me. And they were buying uh, gifts for his son, Justin, I believe his name was. Right. Or what have you, birthday party. Sweet 16 was back then. It was like the Sweet 16 or whatever it was. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, there was a couple of items and I'm like, wow, P. Diddy, uh, you know, Bad Boy Records was the delivery and all of a sudden shit like that. I'm like, damn, this is, this is my chance. But, you know, and I wasn't assembling the jewelry myself and I had a shitty product and you know what I'm saying? He looked at that product and said, I'll never do business with this fucking guy again. Wow. Even though I was like 23, 24 years old. Mm. So you don't want that. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, like, that's really what it was. But That's why if you're in the B leagues and you... Get your ducks in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get your shit together maybe before you, you know, start shooting your shot on a on a big time level. Because, hey, that, that that's some real shit. Like, a lot of times you only get to be new once. Right. You know, like, if you get into your line of work and right. you do a couple shady things and word gets around and that's all of a sudden it. people think you're a piece of shit, you're fucking done. Yeah. So it might be good for you to, you know, figure out how to operate as an ethical business person or how to do business in general before you necessarily enter into the big leagues, right? Listen, there might be a person watching this that even if me and you followed them around for the rest of their life and gave them advice, they'd still fuck it up. Oh, yeah. You got to be wise, man. Mm. You got to figure out the timing. You got to be patient. You got to be reasonable. And you got to figure out where that comes from. Because I can't hand that to anybody, man. You mm. know what I'm saying? I could speak till my I'm blue in the fucking face, but they still won't get it. So, But the, for the people that do can absorb it, you got to be shrewd. You got to be patient with business and very, very strategic and reasonable. Mm. One mistake, like I gave an example the other day. You got a mountain filled, you know, that's got gold veins in it, right, that, that you could dig. You've got the tools. You've got the labor. You've got this. If you start digging on the wrong side of that mountain, hmm. you're going to wear out your tools. You're going to be fucked. If you didn't take the time to check which side of the mountain yields more gold hmm. and to dig on that proper side of the mountain and you just went in there willy-nilly and started digging on the wrong side of the mountain, you're going to wear out your tools, wear out your energy, and you could have been just a fucking couple of feet away from the big, you know, for from changing your life. Right. You got to be strategic. You got to be sensible. You got to say, hey, this is a big mountain. I know it's got gold in it, but let me try a couple of spots before I go. That works if you're panning for gold. What you're doing or what anybody else is doing has a different strategy. You got to find that works. Right. But you got to be right within yourself and be reasonable enough to make clear choices. And you're going to do fantastically well no matter where you're at. Right. So the celebrities in general, was the, the after the P. Diddy thing, did you have kind of a After the a P. Diddy, I had a fucking, it, it, I wasn't even in, in, in the realm. I was just building an eBay business. I was lucky that P. Diddy even bought anything from me. Right. I could have capitalized on that, mm. but I didn't. Nobody even knew P. Diddy uh, bought anything from right. me other than right now. So when I was a young dude, then I had to figure, I had to figure out the manufacturing process 
to be able to get the materials properly from all these scumbags out there. You buy the diamonds, you get the, the, the model making and the, the manufacturing process down. And once you got the manufacturing process down, now you're able to start marketing the business. I started marketing my business with Takashi 69. Oh, okay. Right? Um, uh, where he, you know, he came in and they was in the in the gang and this and that, and they were using him and whatever it is. And so I, he's already big at this point? Yeah, that's when he was on fire. Okay. And uh, I had the opportunity. I saw that. I jumped in. You know, I was literally trying to give him some jewelry to make sure that he could market my business, but he was such a fucking idiot that he wanted to finesse like these other young dudes. They want to run off on the plug and I finesse somebody. You think you did something fucking awesome when you finessed some shit or ran off? You're a bum. Right. You can't be trusted, bro. But you so what did he do? He just tried to skip out on the tab? He was trying to be a gangster, bro. He's in a shooter. He's this. He's that. This old kid shit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And you're throwing your life away. Sure, you could project that image and you could be hard and make, but you, in the back of your mind, you got to know what the fuck you're doing, man. Right. You know what I'm saying? You got to be able to understand that you're you're trying to build a life in the back scenes. Like even, you know, serious rappers or whoever it is, you could see it in them, like a Gucci Mane or whatever it might be. Deep down inside, you see a reasonable, smart person preserving their life and making sure they're going to be growing old in a mansion. Right. Not a fucking idiot. You know what I'm saying? So you could be the most gangster, dope boy, whatever it is, but you can't sit here and make that your top priority. But he didn't try some tough guy shit with you? He just kind of skipped out on the tab? Uh, You know, I gave him the bracelet, and um, uh, him and his crew, uh, you know, uh, were supposed to do marketing something for me, and okay. then he decided to say fuck it and and, and fuck off with, with the crew that he was working with. And then I used that as an opportunity to use the images I had of him and get inside and uh, challenge him with one video that went viral. Mm. And then he tricked me because, you know, he FaceTimed me on some shit and um, uh, he was acting like some shit and I was all goofy looking or whatever it is. And then I realized this kid is this kid. It was what it was. I got everything I wanted out of here. I'm standing here, sitting here doing an interview in L.A. off of that shit. And he, he's, his career's done. But Whatever his career. I wish him the best, but, you know, he I ended up putting but, people in fucking <laughs> you, jail. Uh, but so, wait, he you were too nice? Like, he, he basically, like, apologized or told you he was going to pay you back, and so you publicly said we're on good he, terms, but it wasn't real? It, they ran off with the piece, right? He was doing a business with Treyway and this whole other thing, and he was using the gangster image to make that happen. Right. We were getting going on something, but they had the intention, right? They had two options. Do the gangster hood bullshit of, of uh, I'll bring this right back and fucking walk away with it and never come back and pick up a phone call or build a real business relationship and a brand. Mm. They wanted to do the hood dumb shit. Right. The retard shit. So, you know, they wanted to do that, and that was cool. I saw that from a mile away. I'm like, well, if you do this, I'm going to be able to get into the jewelry business or the marketing that way. Because he was so big at the time that right. if he rips you off and you publicize it, then that could probably be big for you as That's well. That's enough, right? yeah. yeah. That, it's not a great look. Right. But if you're not a fucking pussy and not a fucking little bitch boy who's scared, ran off, finesse, if you don't think like a fucking uh, uh, a gnat that's flying around you know, uh, someone's garden, then you sit here and think, all right, this kid's going to be this, what the f- tattooed or whatever it might be, whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? He's going to grow up. He's going to have his life, but I'll be able to strategically build a brand. I got to build a future. I can't sit here and be on top of the world today and then have my friends in jail tomorrow. Mm. I can't do any of that corny shit. I'm not going to sit here and be the number one rapper and then end up fucking in a grand jury indictment, bro. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? That's not smart, man. But so when you uh, saw him catch the Fed case, did you have a little bit of a thought of like, well, that's, that might be some karma for all the people you treated like shit? Yeah, I mean, I already knew what was going on. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're if the eyes of the world are watching you, right. you don't have the option of committing murder. <laughs> or ordering simple. a murder. It, or ordering a murder. Right. It's very simple, bro. On camera. So how the fuck, if you're seeing that, you're, you're seeing that, and, but he's a young dude, he didn't have a dad, you know, he's growing up and he wants to, he doesn't know what to do. Mm. That's the problem, you know what I'm saying? Rather than ragging on this guy, it's, it's a societal issue because you want to have the best of success or whatever it is, but you can't fuck things up, man. Was the Scott Disick situation similar? Yeah, it mm. was another, you know, it was another trap for mm. me, you know what I'm saying, in, in all essence. The trap is very simple, do fair business, Fuck me over and deal with the consequences. Right. I'm not going to sit here and guard my shit, bro. I'm not guarding my shit. You could come and fuck with it if you want. I'm going to do something about it, and I'm going to handle it. I'm going to get my marketing out of it. Right. And I'm not going to do it like I did with 6 9 where I was a little softer or so on and so forth. I don't give a fuck about Scott Disick or 6 9 or any other celebrity cocksucker for that matter. Right. I want to build a business, make money, and get to the American dream in this country. Like You have seen, because jewelry I've noticed has become a lot like you know barbers and tattoo artists where there's a whole generation of people who are coming up in those fields who basically are just good at affiliating themselves with celebrities. You know, like if you're right. a tattoo artist and you're down to pull up to some rapper's crib at four in the morning and tattoo them for free, yes. then just to get a shout out on their Instagram and then all your your stupid ass fans think, oh, it's so cool that he uh, that he's affiliated with this guy or whatever. I mean, that that is an actual inroad into the game and I know you see the value of yes. those cosigns, but then yes. there's also just some blatant dick riding where it's mm -hmm. basically like people completely debasing themselves and, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> uprooting their entire life just to fucking service some rapper so that right. they could look cool to the public. And it's a shame it's sad. because that's what it kind of turns into to a certain degree. You know, like, I'll be honest. I'm an honest person. I'm not a bullshit artist. Mm. This Scott Disick situation, I'm talking to this guy for a long, long time, and you can't talk to this guy in a normal manner. He, he wants you to kiss his ass. Mm. You know what I'm saying? He's leveraging all of the celebrity status that he has to the maximum with no consideration for you. Right. And I played along. And I played along thinking, fuck me over, bro. I dare you to fuck me over, bro. Right. So what happened was like he's playing for a month. I'm talking to him and this and that and, you know, the bracelet. And what really pissed me off, just not to go over the story, he shows up to the Diamond District. He visits every fucking jeweler. Uh-huh. And then he comes up to me, he does all the business, sweeps the, the, a net through the Diamond District to collect as much jewelry, but then he comes up to me, he's like, I came here just for you. And what the fuck are you telling me you came here just for me if you're fucking doing business with everybody? Do you want me in return to say, hey, but you're doing business with everybody? So you could say, oh, I don't like your tone. Mm. Dude, I look like a fucking little bitch boy that's going to have that conversation with you. I'm like, oh, okay, bro, you came here just for me. Well, I appreciate that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, and I go and, uh, you know, and I do business and, and then he doesn't follow through on one thing and I give him, I let him have it. I'm like, yo, Scott, I'm going to talk to you man to man. This, this, and that. You promised me this, this, and this. I'm starting to get fucking annoyed. I don't like, no one's ever spoken to me like that. I'm going to block you. Why? I'm like, all right, you got my shit and you blocked me? Okay, bro. Right. Grab him by the fucking hair and hold him right here. Fuck him and fuck that all that shit and all that celebrity shit. Don't play with the money. Just do it like a grown man. And again, man, you know what I'm saying? Like the guy returned the shit and everything is great. God bless him. Whatever it is, 
I don't want to sit here and be mean and have enemies, whether it's, uh, you know, 6ix9ine walk through the door and say, yo, what's good, bro? And, and I wouldn't be trying to be tough or Scott Disick or I try not to say anything at all. I don't want them in my life. Yeah. I want to be a genuine person. However, I got a business to market. I got shit to do. And I'm an honest, straightforward person. I'm not going to play around with you. Right. Why you want to play with me? Scott Disick is probably not high up enough in the social totem pole for me to like really give him any kind of pass. Right. You know, little babies like <laughs> if little babies yeah. like an hour late to our meeting. All right, that's cool. Scott Disick's rude to me. I'm gonna say fuck you. Who the fuck are you? You're not doing anything for me. Right. Like, th- like is that a celebrity? Would you say that would have really even moved the needle for I you? I have or no fucking really? idea, yeah. but uh, you know what I'm saying. Beef, I think with him, the beef was probably more valuable than just doing business. Yeah, for sure. And I knew <laughs> that from the beginning. But the thing is, I have no idea. You know, you got these people. You you go and you read his comments. He's you know, take you back. Mm. It's a bunch of stupid shit. So. It was what it was, but the guy reached out to me. Right. I didn't reach out to him. He reached out to me and he wanted these pieces and he wanted, he's building a collection of jewelry. Sums up with him. God bless the guy and whatever it is. And God bless all these other people. I'm just laying it out that I'm a solid business person. I'm going to come through on point 100%, bro. Right. And I'm not going to fucking play with people. And I never have because what does that even mean to to fuck what is that to run off on somebody right. what is that to take their to do to, to do what is that to finesse somebody mm. you know what i'm saying what is that that's bum shit bro what about the ben baller incident that you had in the past like right. how, how did this go down that went down i mean you know ben baller or to, to hear him say it uh or these guys were you know choosing who's the best jeweler in the world who's the worst jeweler in the world and i came up as the worst jeweler in the world believe it or not and ben baller instigated this yeah, he did. They were having a conversation with Greg, and they and and, and you know they decided to to throw me out there. And wow. you know, me and him are friends now. I was just at a shop the other day, or whatever right. it is. But initially, why why would they say that about you? Why would they say that? Because I was a punching bag, bro. I was somebody. I was struggling, dude. I went into debt in the business again because I pay all my bills. I worried about everybody else before I worried about myself, and I had nothing left for over for me. And sometimes I'd have debt, I'd have interest. And, you know, I was struggling. Right. And I looked like a dickhead. And they said, oh, you know, you could kick this dickhead around or whatever it is. But that wasn't the case. I wasn't a dickhead. I was just an honest person taking care of everybody's, taking care of my responsibilities. But so Ben said this on a podcast or something? Yeah. And so how your brain goes into, okay, what do I do with this mode? I heard this. How do I react? Yeah, I heard this. Somebody told me, you know, listen, how do I react? I said, this is a marketing opportunity. Ben Baller was, you know, a legendary jeweler, you know, with an extraordinary career. Right. And, you know, and then you have Greg Yuna there, which is a very, um, uh, you know, meticulous jeweler doing, you know, beautiful jewelry work. And they're having a conversation. They have the cultural influence and so on and so forth. I'm like, okay, this is my chance to dive in. Mm. And why should I, you know, when people do diss tracks or some other shit, some people say this, I know how to communicate information. Mm. I got to take this opportunity and uh, rip my way into the business. And it hurts. When I hit, it hurts. Mm. You know what I'm saying? When I attack somebody's character, I do it in a very crafty, intelligent way. Right. I'm not doing a, uh, you know, a joke or some shit about the, uh, or whatever it is. I'm hitting people very, very hard. I find the weak points. I find the points in leverage. And I twist hard, bro. I don't twist like, hey, you better stop. I twist like, I'm going to try to rip this limb off. And I went in on that, you know, and I didn't do it against Ben or Greg or anything. I did it for my business. Right. 
And so how, how did you ultimately end up getting on good terms? What had to happen for that? Time? I mean, it was hilarious video. It was entertaining, uh, you know, and then, you know, somehow um, uh, Ben wanted me on the podcast and he realized I wasn't a piece of shit. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a dickhead. I'm not a scumbag. I'm not another, you know, uh, shit boy or fuck boy or whatever the fuck it is. I'm a grown fucking man doing business. Right. And, uh, you know, we kind of built a relationship. Uh, you know, he's a very crafty person and he's uh, very strategic. Right. You know what I'm saying? He's a very crafty, strategic celebrity people. What he says to one person, what he hears from one person tells another. He does it all in a stratagem to develop himself. And he does it very well. You know, he's got a brand. He's got a business. Right. He's got his fucking, uh, you know, dope cars and collection. And people look up to him for style. But he's done a great job of really branding himself as more than a jeweler and just being a cool, rich guy in general. Right. right. Have you seen like a trendsetter you, or something? Right. And like, I mean, really, when it comes down to it, like. He's, he's kind of viewed as like the coolest fucking Asian dude on earth. I mean, yes. Some people will probably resent that, but I mean, he's definitely in the in the conversation. There's right. a, a lot of people in hip hop, well, let's listen, say, view him a, that way. You know, in the Korean culture, if I dare may say, because I have been working with a lot of Koreans in the Diamond District, right. is a certain, you know, um, a very well-crafted culture. You go to Tokyo, or uh, I've been in Tokyo, but you go to Tokyo, Korea, the whole city's wearing white shirt, black pants during business days and so on and so forth. And for you to be able to break into right. hip hop jewelry, LA style, tattooed, and still, you know, be able to pull that off with that cultural background, that shows something, uh, you know, some sort of an, an intellectual capacity right. that's worth keeping an eye on. Definitely. And that's what he did. And then that gave him a lot of success. For sure. Was there a eureka moment where you realized that social media was going to be such a big thing in terms of how you were putting yourself out there and how you made a name for yourself? Uh, I suppose so. I mean, uh, there had several different moments. You know, first I did the 6 9 shit. Right. Which is not a good look for a business. You know, somebody ran off of my jewelry. But well, I, you're starting to see the power right, right there. But right. But I see, you know, I, I got out there and uh, I got in, you know, into people's conversation. But then I realized, hey, I know how this industry works. I could use this to teach people how what metals are. I could mm. get their curiosity because I know you'll do something that's worth that's for your own good, and you'll know it, right? You are, are gonna, you're, you have a natural inclination to absorb information that benefits you. Right. You know what I'm saying? So if I'm gonna tell you something about gold, about metals, that's gonna give you an advantage, and it's pleasant information, and it goes over the course of a, or just a minute, and it's interesting to hear, you're gonna absorb that, and that's gonna that's power, and that's really how I get in. Because that's what a lot of people miss is that if you want to do social media, you need to give and give and give to your audience, and then you slip it in there and you try to take a little bit. You gotta you, have something to give other you, than your ass. Though. Exactly. You ask them to follow you. Ask them to buy a T-shirt or whatever. But it's like if I'm a guy starting a YouTube channel right now, I'm not asking you to buy a T-shirt until I've put out a lot of fucking videos that people love for free because right. you really like you need to give before you decide to take. This is a golden age, mm -hmm. you know, this social media, these phones, the technology is just ripe to handle this shit. Back in 2004, you, a phone wasn't worth a damn. You had to use a PC and so on and so forth. Now you've got all this technology. So, you know, the social media, there's Instagram comedians, there's women shaking their ass. There's girls with some sort of personalities. There's other celebrities. There's a field out there. I don't know. You, know, mm. you tell me. Definitely. Um, okay, but so 
your peers. You've definitely seen stuff like Icebox going crazy with the yeah. vlogs and stuff. Is that right. kind of one thing that pushed you into, all right, I'm going to do this content that sort of shows like a full day in my life and really like maps it out for people. Like you, you're doing pretty good views on YouTube and everything. Clearly people like seeing right. the life of somebody in this business. Right. Yeah, little by little we're getting there. I don't really pay attention to what Icebox does. You okay. know, I respect their business uh, because I know what this business is all about. And, uh, you know, they have a vast audience uh, somehow they've acquired, you know, because of the little baby and so on and so forth. Just like the real, real hardcore mainstream shit. And they're able to get artists that realistically hip-hop publications like ours are really not able to. I mean, like little Baby is not going in... Well, I guess he, he did do a Vlad interview back in the day, but right. he's not like really he's not really doing interviews and shit. But these dudes love jewelry so much that when they're in there, they're open. And well, they're listen, really they're gonna, having fun and joking around, you know. Not 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 just there, but with you, I whoever, suppose you know? so. Listen, bro, if you're gonna spend fifty thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars with me, I'm gonna ha right. ha ha hey <laughs> ha 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 ha. That's easy to do, right? You know, that's a business. But in, in all reality, I know how rappers shop. What's Liddy, this and that, you know what I'm saying? They're not shopping by price and mm. quality and uh, all this shit. They're shopping where it's lit. And that's okay. That's business. That's your business style. Um, you know, I have some some elite clients that don't want to look that like, like they're just suckers. And, mm. you know, athletes, baseball players, uh, you know, uh, they don't want to look like rappers shopping in the same spot. looking to say They have a different mentality. They're in a different environment. They're more formal and they want a more business minded because they want to look respectable hmm. in a certain way. So, you know, without me sitting here damaging anybody's businesses or so on and so forth, everybody's got their business style. And mine is more, it's just a little bit more intellectually based, right. I'd say, the softest way as I could say it. Right. I'm not doing something because someone else is doing it. Because you, you by you know, putting out information about yeah. the metals and, and doing all this. You've kind of chosen to put yourself out there as a little bit more of an educator. I noticed some right. of those videos are like 20 million views on YouTube, shorts right. and shit. I'm yeah. like, that, that has been gigantic for you, huh? Yeah, well, listen, I mean, if I took 18 years to learn it and a minute to teach it, right. you're going to want to watch it, you're going to want to do it, because I just saved you 18 years yeah. on diamonds and on gold. Right. So that's what the fuck I threw my life into, and now I share it, and I'm trying to get my life back. Yeah. So that really is what it is. But I can't, I'm not a, a bullshit artist, bro. I can't tell you, yeah, this fully iced, ah, you're icy. Mm. Ah, I can't do that, bro. Yeah, because that, that, that's one thing that kind of bothers me about watching any kind of like jewelry culture is there's yeah. a lot of like, oh, yeah, that looks so hard. That's so cool. Like, that's dope. And I'm just like, where is the depth here? It's just dudes telling other dudes <laughs> that they look cool. It's like just a little boring. But that's know? everywhere in, in most cases. You <laughs> right. know what I'm saying? But I don't do business like that. And I'm going to take that business style and I'm going to change it. That shit is corny. I can't compete like that. I can't come up to somebody and go, ah, yeah, that's that look. You got that. Ah, ah, ha, ha. I can't do that, bro. I can't do that. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to have to tell you, listen, this is a great piece to own. Ten years from now, this one might be worth less. You know, this is a, uh, this is a good stunt. This is, you know, more prestigious than that, or an, and the materials and the value. Diamonds. What's this, what's the fundamental shit? Diamonds are a luxury item. Gold is a good form of savings. Uh, if you're a rapper and you want to have and you have a, you want to have a lot of value out of your jewelry twenty years from now, it's very simple. You just get heavy gold jewelry. Mm. If you want to stunt and inspire the young generation with your wealth, then you could go get fully ice shit. But you got to know the fully ice shit, it's not going to be worth as much. It's a very simple thing to do, understand. Right. You always hear about how the once they ice out the Rolexes that they're 
basically unsellable. Yeah, but I wear iced out Rolex. Okay. Because I want to stunt a little. <laughs> just a little. Just a little stunt, just a little ice. I don't want to walk around with a plain Jane fucking Roly because I'm saving up twelve thousand dollars. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I want to have a nice little iced out joint. This joint is about nineteen grand. Okay. You know, plain Jane, I don't even remember how much it is, $7,000 or whatever the hell it is. Right. And it's a nice little uh, piece. For some people, $20,000 is a hell of a lot of money. Right. For others, $20,000 on a watch ain't shit. But it wouldn't be a big deal for you to have a quarter million dollar watch, right? But with is your aversion to that the fact that it forces you to be a little bit more scared moving around and stuff? Or right. is it more like... Eh, it's just not me. It's a little too flashy. I mean, for me to have a quarter million dollar fucking watch and then live in an apartment in Queens or, and not be able to give my workers a raise, it doesn't match. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Fair. You got to handle your priorities. I got a staff. I want to be loyal and handle my business. I got to take care of all of my responsibilities. What the fuck is wrong with this? Yeah, I make a hundred million bucks. I'll buy a quarter million dollar watch if I wanted to and I'll wear it when I'm wearing it with my Armada. But don't try to go for the look. Right. Well, w w without having actually being that person. But faking it till you make it, that's a big part of hip-hop. That's a big part of someone else's life, I guess. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I've never really been too much into it. I mean, I've always kind of like felt like I, like early on, I felt like I would overstate how I was doing. You know, flex. I wouldn't like, but I'm also I'm also driving a fucking blue Honda Civic. Right. So I well, really, you know, not, you, you could definitely upgrade on that. And you're, you're not a fan. No, not, not right now. I mean, like oh, back okay. then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope not now. No, that would be cool now, too, but. The one thing I could tell you, man, is there should get, you know, and you're dealing with these young hip hop dudes and this and that. You just got to add a certain ingredient to your mentality to ensure long term success. Right. That comes from the heart. There's certain mentalities that are backwards, ass backwards, that no one's fucking telling you about because they don't give a fuck about you. Yeah. You know, and that's really what it is. And that's kind of like my message. And then educating people will be my claim to fame. You know what I'm saying? That's really what it is. I can make money. I could live. I could die. I could so on and so forth. But if I enlighten, you know what it is to enlighten somebody in this world? You enlighten somebody and help them ease their burden a little bit. That's a big contribution. Right. And and beyond just telling you about golden diamonds, I want you to take on a business mentality that's going to sit here and enrich you and the life of your family. The shit that no one gives a fuck about. The grown man shit that you're not going to hear from the suckers you fucking hang out with and the bullshit that you see in other forms of channel and media where everyone's litty and ah, ooh, and ah, and all that stupid, corny, pussy ass, ghetto, backwards, dumb minded shit. Which is what it is to me. I'm a fucking straight up tell you what it is, bro. Right, because our culture, it's like it's it's easier to fetishize partying and having fun, and like whereas like work is kind of boring. I so guess people, so. I mean, it is boring, yeah. bro. It is boring. But you know, you got responsibilities. You got to handle shit. It is boring. Yeah, you want to be able to get a face tat and uh, you know jump on a private jet and trash a hotel room. I'm sure you do. Right. Are you gonna or are you gonna end up being on drugs? You got to figure that out. On your own. Ain't nobody going to tell you that. I guess not. How much of a concern is security and, uh, you know, like how big of a target are jewelers when it comes to you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, we, we're seeing people much more emboldened to just pull up on some guy and steal his watch in Beverly Hills and shit like that. Has that become much more of a factor? Yeah. Well, listen, in today's world where you see the watches, you see the value yeah. and the information, we're, we're actually dawning from common knowledge where people just knew a Rolex was a good watch to a higher knowledge where, you know, Rolex, particularly 
actually Richard Mille Audemars, right. you know, Moonface, Sunface, whatever the hell it is. It's all out there. So now you're sitting here and people are learning about this and it becomes a fucking target, period. Mm. Especially with the economy crashing. You got a quarter million dollar uh, piece of jewelry and I have a pissy mattress. Guess what, bro? I'm fucking coming for you. Mm. I get it. It is what it is. I'm right. going to hunt you down, bro. You know, if I could live on this pissy mattress, you could live without your quarter million dollar watch. That's right. the way it works. But so do you, you have to move around New York in a specific way? I don't, yeah. I mean, listen, I have a little sapphire chain right. and a little $18,000 Rolex, which is a lot for jerk offs watching or whatever it is. But, um, uh, you know, I don't wear it all the time and I don't need to stunt. Right. But I mean, also it's like, do you just deal with high-priced items within the jewelry store itself yeah, where you I mean, have security. Shit's in the safe, bro. Right. I move fast through the city on a scooter and I don't have anything, uh, you know, that's worth the, to target. Right. Uh, and that's it. That's a, a simple, easy, breezy, Japanese. And people appreciate me, even the dough boys, the hood boys, the shooters. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because they know I'm speaking the truth. And I'm the last person that they want to come after on their list. They wouldn't have never came from it came from me if it wasn't for the Richard Meal thief. Mm. You know, this one jerk off piece of shit out there who, you know, Richard Meal is like a quarter million dollar watch. I'll give you a scam. Right. Right. You want to learn a, a Diamond District scam? Sure. A great way to how to come up, how people try to take a shortcut in the Diamond District. Yeah, sure. So you got a quarter million dollar watch. Um, and then you have a, a different version of it that's worth a half a million dollars. Right. That has a small change. Right. So one is, you know, a carbon fiber dial and the other one is just a plain dial. And the, the difference in the Richard Meals. So this motherfucker would try to find an aftermarket part and sell it as original. So now you sold a quarter million dollar watch for a half a million dollars as a half a million dollar watch. You just ripped some out of you off a quarter of a million dollars. And it might take them a little while to figure it out. And they might never figure it out. You hope they don't. Mm. And this scumbag that I was doing business with is this fucking dirt, dirt ball, bro, that I fucking have a river of fucking fountain of hatred for, you know, was looking at me like a bum when he's a fucking thief. Mm. Saying, eh, hey, official. <laughs> you know, some sort of a freak. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to put pressure on him. And I'm going to fucking throw him out the window when I want to, if I want to, if, if his boy doesn't save him first. Because you're a fucking thief, you cocksucker. You know, quarter million dollars ripping somebody off. Now he takes that quarter million dollars and puts it in more inventory and then puts his nose in the fucking air. <laughs> walking around like he's the man. You ain't the man. You're a fucking thief, bum fuck. But speaking of thieves, you had like a real deal thief employee at one point, yeah. right? I watched this video and the guy's tucking chains away. Right. But he's working for you. How the long judge, did he work for you? The judge told me not to talk about that one. Oh. So I'm still, you know, dealing with that. So, uh, but I'm I'm in good graces and everything is uh, the way it is. But um, respect. That, I'm gonna appreciate. I'm gonna respect what the judge said. Let me answer this. We were having a conversation last night on uh, the weekly podcast about how there's certain jobs like uh, I already actually said this about uh the, the clout thing too like mm -hmm. barbers and tattoo artists where <clears throat> a lot of girls come with it you know like right. it's it's just if yeah. you become a tattoo artist you're constantly meeting chicks and you're yeah. putting your hands all over them and they yes. inevitably end up meeting a lot of girls whatever as a jeweler yeah is it kind of like that where you meet a lot of women or mm -hmm. is it kind of like guys talking to guys all day uh, it's a lot of guys talking to guys. Now, right. I have a very uh, female-friendly business, but it's professional. Now, there's a lot of beautiful women there, right? but they do business and they handle uh, shit, and, uh, you know, that's really what it is for me. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's uh, you got to be able to get your girls outside of your work life for the be most part. Because girls like jewelry. Right. But they don't like 
take interest in the intricacies of buying and like you know the, the, their stuff but mm -hmm. i don't i feel like in terms of men's jewelry they like it when they see it but they're not really like not where there's money there's girls bro you yeah, know what i'm this saying there's the diamond district there's girls there the money's there and you know there's a the beautiful women there and, and listen it feeds the ego you want a beautiful girl you want to be able to have that and they're there right and it's not a, it's not the best industry for that but they're there but you know the sleaze, uh, I'm not with the sleaze, man. I feel you. Yeah, because there's probably a lot of guys who are kind of trying to abuse their position. To Sometimes, you know, mm. maybe it's nothing extreme. People keep it professional. You know, they're chasing money. But listen, go get the money and the girls are going to show up anyway. You know, go handle your business. That's really what it is. Gotcha. Um, yo, man, I appreciate you coming on, honestly. it's a, It was super interesting and I really respect everything that you got going on yeah, in terms of social media and putting the whole game out there. I feel like I learned a lot through watching a bunch of your vlogs and everything. So, uh, yeah, much respect, man. I appreciate you having me, bro. Um, uh, anything I can do, anytime, I'm there, bro. You know For what sure. I'm saying? That is what it is. And I no jumper. Thank you, Adam. It's a fucking uh, blessing. Yeah, no doubt, man. Thank you for sharing the story with us. And I think people really appreciate it. Actually, one of my guys, Jason, had uh, been telling me a little while back, like, you should check this guy out. You should interview him. So I hit him up last night. I'm like, you know he's coming in tomorrow. And he was fucking super I, hyped. I'm glad after 18 years of dealing with shit in the Diamond District, I'm finally coming up. It's a fucking great feeling. And, um, you know, that's it. I like it, man. Tracks. No All jumper. Right. All right. Coolest podcast of the world. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. Check us out on YouTube, TikTok, Patreon, Instagram, all that shit. Like, comment, and subscribe. Nojumper.com if you want to support. We out of here.